0: Hi everybody, so today we have with us the lovely Alice Thomas who swims for Wales and Great Britain. She is European bronze medalist, world championship finalist and at the age of 27 became Commonwealth champion in one of the toughest events in the pool, the 200m butterfly. We talk with her today about smashing through those perceptions about age in sport. A little bit about her lockdown life and her nutrition and on to Tokyo now 2021 and what her thoughts and feelings are around that. Thank you for listening today, guys. We really hope that you enjoy it.
1: Hi Alice, how are you? Hello.
2: I'm good, thank you. It's fantastic. Cheers for joining us today, Alice. So you're based down in Swansea in Wales, and in the minute you guys have got probably some of the toughest restrictions worldwide at the minute with the five mile rule you know you're not allowed to travel more than five miles from your house so how are you finding it how are you coping you know, with that
1: yeah i mean it's a little bit frustrating but um we're kind of still doing the same thing i was doing from day one in lockdown so i think our coaching staff um were pretty good with helping us create a really good solid routine from day one and that's kind of just continued so in terms of my training uh, I'm pretty lucky to be um, have access to quite a lot of equipment and stuff in my own house. So I've got a, a pretty comprehensive gym set up in my front room, which I can take outside on, on really good weather days. And I've got myself a spin bike, which I bought myself as well. So in terms of cardio, I do all my cardio on a spin bike. And then in terms of um, conditioning, I do quite a lot of gym. My gym work is pretty similar to what I would be doing on a normal uh, training routine anyway, but if I'd be in the pool. so. I've managed to kind of keep my aerobic fitness and my body conditioning pretty much the same. So um, in terms of like whales and their restriction, yes, it's frustrating and it's annoying. We're not back in the pool yet, but um, I've just been doing the same thing from day one because nothing's changed, which is really annoying because I can see it around around the world and around the country, things are changing for everybody else and they're managing to ease stuff. Um, But you know, I'm just trying to keep a calm head and. Things will eventually change for us. We have just gotta be patient and wait for it, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. After doing like the same thing since day one, is that is that okay? Or is that like getting upset now, or have you had enough of it? Or how's how are you coping it's
1: like, I mean, I'm trying to look at it in the positive way. So um it's nice actually to do something different. So being on the bike is completely different to what I'd normally be doing. I wouldn't normally have the opportunity to work on something different. So you know I'm seeing some benefits in my legs like physically I can see that they're changing shape and I'm feeling a bit stronger so that in my head I'm thinking that can only be a good thing uh, and in normal training season I wouldn't get that opportunity to do that so yeah it is a bit monotonous but in terms of my normal monotony in training it's completely different so it's a different type of monotony um, <laughs> is that a good thing I don't know Um We've even tried to change things up. So even though we have this routine uh, where I do my cardio bike in the morning and then I do the gym in the afternoon, we've even tried, we've gone through a couple of weeks where we switched that around and done gym in the morning and then done the cardio in the evening. So we can, and because it's not rigid, like when you're in the pool, you have to be at the pool at a certain time because you have lanes booked at a certain time. Whereas now, because everything's in my control because like, I'm doing it in my own house, I can choose I don't fancy doing it at eight o'clock. I'll do it at nine. I'll push it back a bit. I'll have a bit more of a a lie-in this morning or or it's raining a bit. I won't do gym outside just yet. I'll do it in an hour or so. Like there's a little bit more leeway with things and be a bit more flexible. So I'm enjoying that bit more sense of control. So it's not quite so monotonous in that sense where it's so rigid. There's like a bit more choice over things. So um, I am enjoying it and I'm kind of reminding myself that we're not going to be like this forever. So that, monotony of normal training will come back and i will probably look back and think oh i wish i was doing that again (laughs) i wish i was going back to like i had like i was getting up at seven o'clock instead of five or so i'm trying to remind myself to enjoy this bit as annoying as it is and as frustrating as it is i'm trying to like see the silver linings of it if you like and i don't know not get so down the dumps that i'm not doing what i want to do necessarily if that makes sense
0: yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've said as well, you're fortunate enough to live really close to the sea. So you've actually been donning your wetsuit and going in and doing some <laughs> water swimming, probably not, not 200 fly type training, but um, you've been doing a little bit in the sea. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's kind of difficult to do fly in four foot swells Um <laughs> that I have tried, but it's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, Yeah, you're taking a lot of seawater doing that. So um, yeah, backed off the fly a little bit. (laughs) Just stuck with the freestyle. Um, But yeah, no, there's saying that there has been some lovely days, and actually uh, Monday this week we we had such a lovely day in terms of weather, and I've never seen British Sea or even Welsh Sea so clear we could see straight to the bottom and it was probably about 10 foot deep and could see straight to the bottom there was all these reefs loads of starfish i barely did any swimming i was just basically like snorkeling and looking at the the bottom of the sea and um but yeah i've been lucky been fortunate that i've got a wetsuit um been in the sea been doing just two or three k probably about three four times a week um not really as a training stimulus just more as like a mental thing like oh, i feel all right i'm in the water i'm actually doing swimming which is more specific to the sport that i, I <laughs> i'm doing that i love um because yeah. you know it's all great being on a bike but it's not it's not swimming is it it's not i'm not using my arms um so just getting my shoulders going round is just is a really nice feeling after like two three months of not doing that um but yeah it's really great and also it's kind of it's nice to be social again, because, you know, even with the social distancing rules, we're able to meet up with some of the other guys from our squad in Swansea, keeping a safe distance and all of that. Um, and it's nice to see faces like we, we can do this like kind of Zoom chat like this. But to see people like real people, um, it's really good. <laughs> it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've been... Um... Well, I've seen on other bits you've been entertaining yourself doing a bit of things like play modeling and <laughs> things like that. So uh, what else have you been doing to entertain yourself?
1: Yeah, so um, I am a bit like creative and normally like in normal like training routine or whatever. I'm, I'm always like everybody's always so tired. I've got time to do things like that. Everybody's always so pushed for like, I've just got to recover. I've got to do this. I've got, I'm focused on this, stressed out and all of that. But because of the way this is now, I've just got time to do things. And yeah, I've just been occupying myself, being a bit more creative. I, I like to paint. I like to, like you said, you might have seen, I have did, did a little clay model of my dog. Um, yeah, the, my dog's been keeping me occupied as well. i um, been taking him on little walks and things like that. Um, yeah, it's just little creative projects and stuff have been keeping me going, keeping my mind going. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to have kind of time where you don't have to be necessarily thinking about the next competition or, or necessarily thinking about your next session in terms of like, I really need to nail this next session because I've got a competition coming up. So recovery is really, really key. Like, so so I'm, I'm doing more with my free time, whereas before I might have been prioritizing my free time more for recovery and just literally sitting and doing nothing. So I think oh, I need to recover. Um so I'm doing more things around the house also just to like not get bored because I know I'm in the house all the time anyway so yeah um, it's been quite good I've been enjoying it a little bit and also I am I am an introvert so I do in I do like just being on my own and doing stuff by myself so I'm not overly bothered that I can't go out and socialize because it doesn't bother me too much anyway like I, let's not say I wouldn't but it's just <laughs> Being in lockdown doesn't doesn't um, I don't know how to say it doesn't really like dampen my personality too much. It kind of plays into my hand a little bit more than perhaps yeah. other people who are extroverted. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I
0: see what you mean.
2: Yeah. I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's swimmers and uh, individuals. Might
0: be. Yeah. You
2: know, you're used to being in your own thoughts a lot in the pool, and even though you swim in a big team, you're you're in your own thoughts quite a lot. So. Yeah,
0: kind of used to being in your own little
2: bubble.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've really enjoyed during lockdown, I know it's finished now, but was that 10 weeks on Thursday evenings of the the clap for carers outside. And it just, like you say, you're actually seeing some faces for a change (laughs) rather than just 2D people on Zoom. Um, I mean, you've, you've said before, you've mentioned that both of your parents worked for the NHS. So, I mean, that must have been extra special for you to see and be a part of. Does, like, yeah. knowing that they've supported you, you know, through your swimming for so many years, is it really nice to see that support now reciprocated by the public for people like your parents that are working yeah. in NHS?
1: You know, it's a really bizarre thing because I feel like I'm quite a strong person and I'm quite, like, stony-faced and it takes a lot to make to bring, like, emotion out of me, especially in, like, a public way. Yeah. Um, when it was like maybe the second time because the first time i was like oh what's this all like clapping for carers blah 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 and my parents would be the same way they'd be like oh no like don't need any of that um and, I, and we heard like all of the commotion and stuff and um, the first week and we were like oh i don't need any of that the second week i was like well i can hear it and they're like sending off fireworks and stuff and i was like what are they sending fireworks off for? it's like this light you're not going to see it and i decided i'm going to go down i'm going to see what's going on outside So open the door the dog came with me and we just sat like by the open, by the threshold of the door and he was just barking his head off because he could see all of the people on the street, the pots and pans, there was another dog barking. And it was just so funny because we just sat there and like he was barking at everyone. People were laughing at him barking. They were like pots and pans, there's, there's a noise going on. And it suddenly just dawned on me that people are like coming together, doing the same thing, even though we can't physically like come together or do anything. People are like choosing to come out and show their appreciation for people, for the NHS. Yeah. And then I like came back in, and I, for some reason I was just crying. I was like, uh, and I don't know why. And I turned to Dan, my boyfriend, and I was like, I don't know why I've got all emotional about this. Like, it's not <laughs> affecting me. And I didn't really do anything. All I did was stood at the door with the dog barking. And I was like, I don't know why, I've suddenly got all emotional. I was like, I think it's just because it feels almost personal because my parents are working in the NHS. My mum, I've been talking to my mum quite a lot. She works She works in, she teaches in intensive care. So she's not quite clinical, but she was teaching nurses. She was, she had to teach uh, nurses up so that they could work on intensive care. So she was playing quite a a specific role, um, and my dad was working at a local court, local walking centre uh, in London, so he was quite um, on the front line-ish, I guess. Um, so I was like suddenly, okay, well, they've got quite a quite a pivotal role in this, and they're kind of clapping for them. And I was like suddenly, like, oh, this is like quite close to home. And I think that's why I suddenly got a little bit emotional about it, but. Yeah, as you say, it kind of, I hadn't thought about it when you said it the way you did that them having done all they have done for me, it kind of turned it around. Suddenly everybody's clapping for them in an appreciation for all that they do. And um, perhaps that's how it kind of hit home for me a little bit. But yeah, it was, it was really great to suddenly have everybody thanking them for something yeah. instead of just me being thankful for them.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Are they go safe and well? Are they all, all good?
1: yeah 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 they're all doing they're, they're doing well um mum just keeps updating me with things from from london like that i don't necessarily see on the news so it's good to have that like little insight of stuff that's going on so yeah it's good yeah. it's just the yeah. i can't really see but yeah.
2: yeah i do feel like there are some good things that's going to come out of you know this situation like there's some stuff. Mm-hmm like you're talking about before and i think just mm-hmm. our community everyone sort of getting together and just showing their appreciation little things like that like we have saw speaking to our neighbors that we never <laughs> used to speak to because we we're coming out for the club. even little things like yeah. that you know there's they, they, something on it it's something yeah Changing. yeah
1: well, I, i've never yeah. even seen the neighbors down there and <laughs> then i suddenly see like oh okay that's who lives there that's who lives there because we've only lived here just over a year now in this house, so it was nice to see, like, oh, okay, now I know the faces that live down those in those houses. Yeah, so it was good to, kind of, yeah, as you say, see them and kind of wave at them and be yeah, like, at okay, least give them a the wave.
2: House. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. awesome. Yeah, so sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, change tack a little bit. So, you just basically had your big standout year in 2018 when you became. Commonwealth champion on the 200 fly, yeah. fantastic event. Well done, Um <laughs> and it was a brilliant race as well. Like really, really good race. Um, and it was, it was really, I, I really enjoyed watching and seeing you break out. But that's relatively late in your uh, in your career. So like, you, was it a like third Commonwealth Games now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Delhi, yeah, third one, Glasgow, and Delhi, then Delhi,
1: Glasgow,
2: focus. Yeah. So could you talk us through like your your race day, like what happened? Back that day, what was that like for you? On that, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. It was just like a normal race day, like any other. Um, yeah. Sorry, dog. Um, yeah, normal race day, like any other. Um, I don't know. It just see. I just my overwhelming memory is just being really calm. I don't remember being. I remember swimming in the heat, and I'd swam. I think it might have been either on PB or just under PB, it was like 207 in the heats, and um, I'd swam a 207 which was a PB unrested in the Edinburgh meet before, which was I think was uh, Champs that they'd done in the March before. Um, So I knew I was like in a good place coming into it, but I remember not really thinking much about it, I wasn't overthinking it, I was just like going with the flow. and. I remember speaking to Sharon before, like after the heats, and she asked me a question, something along the lines of um, What are your hopes for the finals? Do you, basically, like, do you think you can win it? And my reply was something like um, It depends what the other girls can do, because there's no point like I could swim a best time and they could swim even faster, or I could swim a slow time and they could swim slower. Like, it didn't Mm -hmm. really matter what time I was going to do. It just depended what the other girls were going to do. And I was aware that there was a lot of Aussies in there that could swim really solid 200 fly time. So I wasn't prepared to, like, think too far ahead. I I think I just said to her, I was just going to race it and see who hit the wall first, something like that. Um, And I think that gap between, thinking back now, that gap between that heats and finals, I don't know really how I handled it you know when you're in competition mode you're in a bubble and you know like you're just in a zone and you just you're just in your composition zone and you just handle whatever comes at you but like now i'm like how the hell did i handle that (laughs) but i just remember (laughs) i just remember like lying in my lying in the bed lying in bed chilling out probably watching something on my laptop i was sharing a room with georgia and we were just like chilling she might have had a race as well i can't remember exactly but we were just chilling and then time came to get the bus and I just went to the final and I just remember being really chilled and really like in control and my final words to my coach before I went into the call room to Stuart, Stuart was like, did he settle? We just said like, you know how to swim this, go and have fun. There was no like tactical messages. There was no like big long conversation. It was just like, you know what to do, go and enjoy it. Yeah, and I was like, yep, cool. <laughs> Went in, and yeah, it was a really weird thing. I, I'm sure you probably heard it, but my goggles like fogged up, so I couldn't really see during the whole race. I could make out the bottom of the line, the tee, but I couldn't really see. The, from like one end of the pool, I couldn't see the other end of the pool, so I couldn't make out either side, like where people were. Um I think because it was so warm and I'd just done priming, I had a heat jacket on, so my like all, all the condensation like went up in the goggles. I couldn't see anything. Um but yeah, so I couldn't really see. So I was just counting my strokes and doing like like autopilot. Right. Um counting my strokes so I knew where the wall was so I could hit the wall on a stroke. Um and yeah, and just swam what I had been doing in training for years and then had no idea where I was in the race didn't know if i was in front or behind um and i remember i think i came off the last wall and i had some sort of feeling that i might be in front but i thought don't overthink it just carry on because my problem was in glasgow i came fourth in the 200 fly by like 0.18 of a second and that had been like niggling at me for four years Mm. and um in glasgow when i came off the last turn I thought I was in contention for a medal and I got scared and the adrenaline rush of getting scared through me, went through me and it made me like tighten up and move back a bit. So in Gold Coast when I came off the last turn, I had inkling I might be in front or near the front. And I had that same thought and I thought, don't think about it, just carry on. So obviously I carried on, hit the wall. But it took me ages to turn around, like take my goggles off, because obviously I couldn't see anything. So I was like, take my goggles off, turn around. And then um, when I looked at the board and saw the time, I was like, oh. And I think everyone knows the reaction and I said a few words um, <laughs> because I was, so, <laughs> I was so shocked at the time and the place that I didn't, I had no inkling that I was going that fast or that I was that far in front. So it was like a double whammy that I'd gone that fast and won it. Um, oh. That's amazing. I mean, do you yeah. think
0: that having the the goggles fog up was actually a way of putting the blinkers on so it stopped you panicking, it stopped you thinking about that that happened in Glasgow and you just yeah. focused so much more on the process of it because yeah. if you didn't get that right, then you may have missed the wall or whatever it was would be. So do you think it actually helped to have yeah. that? It kind of narrowed your focus, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think because it it made me go back to autopilot. So it made me go back to doing what I practice day in, day out in training. So in training, I count the number of kicks. I count my strokes on every 50 or fly on every race, race pace, 50. I do in training, I count my kicks, I count my strokes. So in having those fogged up goggles, suddenly it was like, well, I can't see anything else. So I've got to fall back on what I do in training. So Suddenly, it just came. I say, like, an autopilot swim. I don't think any autopilot swim is ever going to be like a PB just by accident, but it just made me do what I've trained my body to do. Mm -hmm. So, that with where my body was at at that time, in terms of taper, you know, everything else, that's what happened. That's what made that PB in that time happen. Um, because I couldn't see where anybody else was, I had no external factors influencing panic or making me tighten up or anything like that it was just a flowy swim that was just like waiting to happen um but yeah such as it it feels like such a strange swim now but i think because it was so long ago and because the situation we're in now it feels like like a different world um yeah so, and then everything after that's just a massive blur. Like everything happens so quickly. But, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating
2: though. That's fascinating. It basically sounds like your whole day, you were just an autopilot. Like, it sounds like, you, it's like yeah. to re- recollect, like, and think, remember what happened that day. Georgia, yeah. I she might not. <laughs> Good roommate, by the way. I
1: know, she might have been. <laughs> I don't know, you don't really pay attention to those things, do you? Cause you're just like in your, in your bubble. bubble. You're in your yeah. zone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean we, we work with um, like younger swimmers uh, than yourself and kind of what yeah. I think is really important is very often if you go with fog up or leak in training you'll stop and change it and sometimes if yeah. you're in the middle of a rep for something just carry on because you're going to at some point in your career you're going to have a race where that might happen and you need to yeah. kind of experience that before to not panic when it happens i guess so i'd say yeah kids out there that that happens in training just go with it just let it happen yeah yeah, yeah.
1: my my greatest greatest fear is that my goggles will leak that's my greatest fear i don't care about anything else happening in a race my greatest fear is that my goggles will leak i don't care if they fog up that's fine i have dry eyes that's fine i can still make out shapes but if they leak i know i will panic so if I'm doing a dive in training and my goggles leak, I will try my best to carry on and do whatever rep that is. If it's a 50 or a 75, I will try my best to carry on, but I know I am panicking, mm-hmm. but I try my best to do it because I know that if it's in a race and I have to swim with leaked goggles, the worst thing I can do is stop. Yeah. yeah. So it's gotta sure. try.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm totally with you on that, but I, I would panic as well if they started leaking. You, I, and you, I can't
1: have can't help. you can't help but
0: panic, can you? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I can't see! This <laughs> feels unnatural, doesn't it? But I mean, yeah. like, that would be the worst thing for you. I know lots of different things can happen on race day, one of them being things like suits ripping, which I know you've experienced. Mm-hmm. You all experienced that at some point, zips popping on them when they used to have zips. And yeah. <laughs> I noticed that you're really um, good with having great nails. Do you, f- do you have long nails? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're a nice colour though. But like, do you um, have nails and struggle getting a suit on or anything? Because obviously the suits are really tight and I could never have yeah. them. When I used to wear them.
1: Yeah, no, I have a little trick and that's to wear gloves putting my suits on.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> <Sneak little trick. laughs> uh, I did go through a phase of ripping quite a lot of suits or just having tiny little nail marks in them, and I was like, oh, "I can't keep doing that um but yeah, you know the old gloves that came with the really ugly fast skin suits that yeah. nobody really liked they were a massive fail um now, I use gloves similar to those with the little rubber uh like fingers right, yeah. finger so
0: they helped me just. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh
2: fair enough fair enough so, mystery
0: solved, you mystery solved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I when i race for that reason because i'd put put them through too many suits but um yeah. so you like what like i've said you were was it 27 when you became commonwealth champion yeah gold Coast. yeah so yeah. you know now you look into tokyo which is amazing and there is for some people a bit of a perception around um the age of swimmers and when is normal, if you like, for mm-hmm. a peak out swim to happen and a really stand out of year, and some would say that twenty seven is, is fairly late um, for that to happen, but I, I wouldn't agree personally. I feel like you know as, as, as the sport goes it's, it's getting older and older and older to the point where you can still get your peak and I think that's fantastic, and I don't like that there's any limitations put on people um, mm-hmm. So how have you kept yourself kind of going up till now you're 29 now how have you kept yourself physically and mentally in that great peak condition
1: um i think like it does come down to persistence and also like having a little look at what other people in the world are doing so if i look at other people around the world in my event if i look at katinka hosu if i look at maria belmonte who swim my event 200 fly they're my age, they're 30 or older, you know, I don't see why I I should be classed as old for my age if I'm still swimming my event at my age. I'm swimming it fine, I'm swimming it at the age it's meant to be swam at because they're the best in the world and they're my age so I'm not old, I'm bang on really. <laughs> um, so just because i might be old when it comes to like nationals or something in britain (laughs) doesn't mean that i'm old for my event the rest of the world so and because i had a breakthrough late that just means i've been really persistent in making sure that i get there um you know when i was younger i wasn't particularly stand out i think i maybe won my first national medal at 18 or 19. you know i wasn't that great when i was in my early teens i wasn't like stand out or anything like that but coaches always told me i had talent um and i had great technique and technique has always been something that i've worked a lot on um and then i've just worked hard and been really persistent and i've had a lot of years like where i've had injuries or uh illnesses and that's like scuppered my end of season so it's always been a case of like, I've worked really hard through the season and then the end of the season hasn't quite come together. Or um, I started off the season really well, I picked up an injury and then I haven't been able to finish off the qualifying part of the season for the bigger teams. Yeah. Um, so it's, and to me, it's always been like, well, I, I would have got there if I hadn't have had that. Or it's always been something that I felt has has happened that hasn't quite been in my control. So I feel like it's always been, well, if I get that under my control, it might happen. Um, So it's, and I've always just felt like I've never quite got where I feel like I can get to. So it's uh, even with like getting to the Olympics. Yeah. I might be one of the oldest people on a British team that's never been to an Olympics. And when that moment finally happens, I might be one of the oldest people to qualify for their first Olympics. I don't know if that would be a thing. But I don't really care because it's just some, it's a personal achievement that I want to get. I feel I'm capable of doing it. And I don't think age is the number people should focus on. It's the time I'm capable of swimming. It's the time I swim. And if that time gets me on a podium or gets me on a team, that's what's important. It's not necessarily, oh, she's a bit old or, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm I'm not old. as I said before I'm like bang on the age for my event so
0: yeah totally agree Yeah, it's just something that you know I felt I perceived that was there when I swam yeah. and I think you- I think
1: it is changing like you said swimming is getting older and I think that's probably the help of things like sports science and being able to keep people in the sport longer and um yeah it's you know hopefully something that we can keep people in the sport longer if if they've got access to things like sports science or you know things like you guys are doing with the camps and making sure people are are able to stay in the sport if they've got access to enough enough things like sports science nutrition you know the knowledge base and they keep their love and passion for it because ultimately if people fall out of love with it they stop doing it don't they yeah they find it too hard to keep keep doing
0: Oh,
2: you gotta love what you do for sure. Yeah, you said so. More about like you basically hadn't performed what you you knew inside you were capable of doing for a long time. What was it like? You said once you get under control, you're gonna be able to like get these good performances out. So how did you get that under control? How did you stop your body breaking down at the end of a cycle? Was it a case that you were overtraining slightly before, or what? What difference? I think
1: because I've I've worked with my coach now for. 10 going on going on 11 years so it's it's being able to uh work with my coach for long enough to figure out the right sort of training for me so in terms of like i don't think it's as simple as overtraining but it's it's more smart training so yeah as my body gets older i can't train the way a 16 year old would train i have to train more smart so maybe it's it's doing more drills and skills like i love doing drills i love doing technique stuff and getting my technique spot on so that when i do the big sessions and the the big aerobic and the big threshold sessions or the big race pace sessions if my technique is spot on i'm less likely to have an injury or an over an overuse injury or something like that but if my technique is a bit shoddy and i do a big session i'm going to get some kind of injury or something go wrong So for me, I feel like the older you get, the more important technique becomes. So taking a session out on a Friday morning just to go over skills and drills is more beneficial than hammering in another threshold session. Like the older you get, I feel. Um, Because I've laid down all of those foundations when I was a lot younger, doing those massive sessions. Um, That's not to say that I don't do those big sessions still now, (laughs) but they still they still go hand in hand with those technique ones as well um and it's just like smart training so if i'm having an off week it might be saying okay well look let's not push you too far this week we'll take a step back um it's using sports science as well like i do daily monitoring and making sure my body is coping with the amount of training so we don't go into those overtraining zones or anything like that to make sure i get the most out of me what do you
2: monitor each day then what do you what do you do with sports
1: um so we do hrv monitoring so heart rate variance okay um i don't know loads and loads about it but basically i think if i'm right it's <laughs> measured the variance between your heart rate overnight or we do it first thing in the morning um so our sports scientists will tell us if there's a difference between the each between the beats of our heart rate um and if there's a change it might mean that we're more susceptible to becoming ill right. um, or we haven't recovered properly from our training um so it would give us a signal before that happens uh so we she can tell our coaches and then we can back off training before we're likely to get ill or susceptible to like over or anything like that so it's like a a precursor before anything might happen um, so it's quite useful in that respect
0: yeah that makes that makes sense i mean it, nutrition i guess that's something that you know is getting more and more um of a say in the the mm-hmm. training plan of an athlete now more than when, when we were there i feel like athletes themselves are probably more aware as well and um, there's just yeah it, i mean nutrition changes all the time that's that's the hard thing about it like so it must be so hard to be a nutritionist because like the science is constantly changing but I mean, is it something that you're really, really aware of as a swimmer? I mean, you know, a typical thing we always get asked is what's a pre and post race meal that you feel really <laughs> well for your event. I mean, yeah. throughout the week, through training, through competition, are you aware of nutrition?
1: Yeah, I guess so. But I think because we have this discussion uh, a, a few times, but I think because we're athletes and it's we've kind of grown up with it through our sport to a an extent we've always, well I've always had access to Sport Wales Nutritionist. I think I take for granted my knowledge of nutrition so I kind of end up assuming that people know about nutrition and know what a good meal looks like but I guess perhaps that's not the case in all areas so we try to keep it fairly simple or this is what I've been taught from my nutritionist that each meal should look like a meal wheel which is split into thirds so it's got like literally Three sections. So one is carbohydrates, one is your protein, and the other is your support group, so your vegetables. And each meal should be made up of those three components um, in equal portions. Um, But it should. Oh, oh, sorry. The dog. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: About food, see. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so those three, those three components. Um, and then the only ways it should change is coming up to a hard session if you know you're going to have quite a demanding session coming up You might increase the carbohydrates um, You don't increase the overall portion size. You just have more carbohydrates and less support and less protein um, And then after that demanding session you increase the protein and have slightly less carbohydrates and less support So you don't yeah, like I said, you don't increase the overall portion size You just switch up how much of each thirds there are.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but that's the general like really simplistic view that we've been taught through the nutritionist of like what your each meal should look like and that should be breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then um, in terms of portion sizes, it's just like eat as much as your body tells you to eat. Don't overeat, don't undereat. And then snacks have like maybe two snacks in between those meals. Um, but yeah I think that's as simple as our nutrition has told us to do and I always tend to follow that meal wheel like even now I'm following a meal wheel my plate always looks like those three sections <laughs> um, and just depends on like how demanding my training is whether I know it's going to be like a high threshold set then I'll have slightly more carbs to fuel for it or if it's going to be um, if I've just done gym I might have slightly more protein just to recover straight after for, from it um, in terms of race day, I guess, it's kind, it's kind of like the training stuff. So it's going to be a really high demanding thing where you're going to need to fuel up for it. So it's like a high carb type meal. But you, I think we're told that like the support in terms of fruit and veg is less of a necessity. Um, so it's higher carbs. Um, and then protein wise before... Um, uh, uh, competition I think we're told to stay away from red meat because it's it kind of sits heavy in the belly and it's slower to digest um, that's before and then afterwards um, recovery wise just higher protein more of a balanced type meal um, but yeah it's it's just generally on the rules of fuel before and recover after and I just tend to go by that
0: so what what are your favorite pre-race meals and post-race meals and or snacks
1: um i guess i don't really have like a go-to because i think a lot of it depends on where i am and what i can get but i just i guess any swimmers pre-race meal is going to be pasta of some sort (laughs) um it's just just a stereotypical thing um it's easy to eat um post-race i think if it's after your, I know, like after the end of your main season uh, competition, you tend to just go for whatever you can get and just treat yourself. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't know, really. I can't think off the top of my head. It tends to just be, if I'm in my own environment, I want to say like a bolognese for a pre-race, like a spaghetti bolognese, something that's easy and quick to make. If I'm in my own environment, I'd probably go for that. Um, I don't really. I can't really think.
0: I mean, everyone, we, we always try and say like, don't vary too much from what you would normally eat, really, because otherwise exactly, yeah. you not cope with it, and with nerve yeah. with that, um, being on a hot pool side, all of that kind of stuff, you want to make sure that exactly. your body's got one less thing to have to stress about, really. Um,
1: exactly, like food you know, and your body will ultimately tell you what you want to eat, so I tend to listen to my body a bit more around race time, so if my body's telling me it wants I don't know a chicken sandwich or like a chicken pasta or it, it really fancies like a steak afterwards then fine feed it that have let it have that because um, i feel like my body will tell me what it wants to eat and what it doesn't want to eat if it doesn't feel like eating this it's probably likely that it will make me feel a bit sick yeah. um but it, i also feel like i know some people that really won't eat on race day they just don't like eating and these are guys that have been to commonwealths and things like that and they at commies, they didn't eat. They didn't want to eat. Um, but I made I made it a point to structure in in my day. Right, I'm going to the food hall now. I'm going to eat this now. It wasn't necessarily that I was hungry, but I knew I needed it to fuel. Um, so I I would say like competitions is definitely important to make sure you're make sure you're eating even if you don't want to. Um,
0: like you say, because motivation. you might not have that want to do it. You need to plan it in essentially. Like yeah. I was similar to you in that. If I was like, I used to get really nervous before races, I definitely wouldn't have been as calm as you going into that commies, fight. But I, <laughs> that would make me feel like my stomach wasn't ready for food. So I had to yeah. see food as fuel to get me through yeah, that's it. I needed to get through and get the best out of it. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. everyone's gotta look at it in a different way to get the best out of the nutrition, I think. Like even if it's quite plain. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think commies, like at the finals were quite late in the evenings, I think there were some of them were like half past nine in the evening. So you couldn't really have, I think we had to leave at like maybe half four or five from the village to get to the pool. So I couldn't have a dinner before leaving. So I would have had lunch at like 12 or one. So in terms of then planning my uh, food around that, it was going to the I had to go to the dining hall again and I was having what I would call like a second breakfast. So I was having like porridge and stuff at like three or four o'clock just to fuel. It wasn't necessarily like a meal, it was fueling again. And then once I'd done my final and I was coming back at like 11 o'clock, I would then go in the dining hall again and have whatever I fancy because it wouldn't necessarily be a dinner because it was really late, but it was just in terms of, okay, let's just get some recovery and whatever I fancy. It might be another bowl of cereal, it might be like whatever they have out in terms of meat or um, a salad or something, just to get some food in. Yeah. So, like sometimes around competitions, depending on the timings, like they go a bit weird in terms of, well these, this isn't a proper meal, but it's just some food in me to fuel or recover from whatever I've just done.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, it, village situations, so for commies, for um, Olympic games, like that, the dining hall is it's dangerous in one way because there's every food you <laughs> think of so yeah you know, temptation get might you know get the better of you you've got to be very controlled but in other ways i found it nicer that it was just there whenever you wanted it and yeah one offer, because you did have to switch your meals around sometimes like i know i've been in the situation like i i didn't make beijing but the the finals and the heats were the other way around so you would been yeah, like a a dinner before you go and do your heats and a breakfast before finals, sort of thing. So I feel like, yeah, the dining hall situation was actually quite nice when you, you yeah. have strange times for racing and stuff, you can just get it. Yeah, with-
2: yeah I feel yeah, like probably, uh, coming through what you're saying there, like having a longer career, that's the experience coming through that, like, you just yeah. listen to my body, I give it what it needs. Where the longer you've been going, the more you know how to do that. And I really like the way I yeah. describe the food plate into the thirds. It's really yeah. but really, really effective way of doing it I think. I think it's for like' yeah. athletes now, it's a really good thing they can listen to and take away. So I really like that one. Yeah. But, um, makes it makes it visual as well. Sorry Alice, what was that?
1: I just said it makes it visual
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah just a visual thing dead easy to follow and yeah it makes sense if you've got a hard session coming up increase your carbs you've done your hard session you need some recovery get that protein in yeah really really easy and the same for race day as well as far as you can remember what we had on today <laughs> yeah you seem to be saying before, in a different world
1: just zoned out yeah, well, I, couldn't, I probably couldn't tell you exactly what it was but no, i, I know i was following that plan but yeah.
2: That's brilliant. So like, so obviously you're coming on, like I say, that experience, all these things play in so that you can get these be- better performances out of yourself at a later age. You're training smart, you say, listening to your body and the sports science picking in, like there was none of that in my day where they were monitoring your heart rate so so closely and that having an impact on the session. I think if I'd have told Ian, my heart rate was a bit higher this morning, I'm gonna uh, back off a little bit and hit the roof. Um, you know, it was just like, this is what we're doing. Everyone's got to do it so uh yeah. things adapt and change which is great and helping you have a longer career and like mm-hmm. rio 2016 i know that was kind of like probably a little bit of a sore subject cause you had good results you were like british champion still didn't get put on the team mm-hmm. but as soon as your results like 2018 you're breaking out not having the tokyo olympics this year and having an extra year is actually is that like a positive for you? Is that like, even more time to like let your body develop and get to know yourself as an athlete? Yeah.
1: It's a weird one because with 2016, I'd had, so I'd had an upper arm injury in the January of 2016. So yeah. I'd actually been unable to swim properly and I was doing a lot of kick sessions. Um, so going into that trials, I wasn't actually mentally thinking or this is my chance to qualify it was more like oh let's just see how we go um the 200 fly went i think i did all right i think i came second i think amy won it i think i came second but we were both off the times neither of us got the time so that was okay it was just it was all right and then the hundred flyer won and that was almost like a bit of a bit of a surprise, I like, thought oh, okay, uh, I might have done something here, I might have put myself in contention for at least a wild card, perhaps if they want to take a relay spot. Yeah. Um, so then I remember walking down poolside and like coaches coming up to me being oh, well done, you might have, you've might you got on the team there, well done. And there was all this like everybody getting my hopes up for things. I remember going to my coach and being like oh, oh do you think so and he was like oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. And it was just one of those waiting games and like the call never came and it was just like okay then and i remember like being a bit it it was a bit silly because it was like well i didn't go in thinking i was going to qualify yeah but now all of a sudden i'm really disappointed i haven't so it was sort of like and then there was this realization in my head at that point that it was like this thought thinking well i'm never going to be an olympian and that was like a really hard like thought and like realization to take because I didn't think at that point that I was gonna still be swimming by like uh, now yeah so I didn't think I was going to be still swimming four years later I didn't think I was going to have the commonwealth I did in 2018 um so at that point I was quite like down I was quite hard on myself and it took me like a week or two to kind of get back into like the frame of mind. Like actually, I still want to keep going and I still got things I want to achieve. I can still be a great swimmer without being an Olympian. Because um, for me, that's like the pinnacle of swimming. That's like the best you can be. That's the top thing. Um, and at that point, I hadn't been to a Worlds either. So or Europeans, like the commies was like the the top i had been. Um, yeah, I hadn't been on any British teams. It was just. So I was like, okay, so where do I go next? And my coach was really good with me. He built me up and was like, well, you know, there are plenty of world champions that have never been to Olympics. There's all of this stuff. And I said, like, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, we built up from there. And I think actually doing all of that kick, all the kick sessions um, with the arm injury brought my kick on so much, and that's kind of now what I'm known for in the 200 Flyers, having the underwater kick. So yeah. silver lining and all, having the injury, working on something else, sort of shot me through then and helped me have that breakout in 2018. So, yeah. Um, what was the other part of the question?
2: <laughs> well, just <jumping laughs> back, like I just feel uh, like, at that age, you'd be like, I don't want to keep talking about age, but just the, the fact that yeah. like, it does get brought up a lot, and I think at 25, you would have been uh, at the 2016 championships. So, yeah, like being to two Commonwealths to have done it for so long, no one would probably have looked at you in a negative light at all if you'd have been like, I've, I've probably got as far as I can. And if you're saying, mm. yourself, I don't think I can become an Olympian now, nobody mm. would save you from walking away. So to no. send yourself around in one or two weeks. That sounds really short amount of time to me. Like yeah. after like <laughs> eight, I didn't qualify. I was sulking for a good six months. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how you turned it around so fast. Was it like? But I was injured, so that's not my performance yeah. partnership. Was that a, almost? A I think
1: that was. Part of it. Yeah, I think because I had gone into it thinking I wasn't going to qualify. Yeah. So it was like a very quick thing of like, I'm not going to qualify, oh I might qualify, and then it was like, oh I haven't qualified, but it was quite quick just to come back up like, oh, I'm okay. Right. Um, but it was that, it was just that very quick like, oh I might get there, and then it was like I said, sub- it was that, shoom, I'm not going to get there. Um, well,
2: the qualification and then it
1: was the realisation
2: that... I don't know, waiting for a call, I find that's, that's quite mean. Like compared to it like round city results, yes or no? Like that yeah. period of waiting, that must be horrible.
1: And I would have rathered if they just turned around and been like, "We're not considering you, so don't get your hopes up."
2: I'm sure, yeah. If they
1: just have done that; it would have been all right. But that's not the way, how they do it. So <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to turn around like majority of people and been like, "We're not considering you." So yeah. it's, it's it, it is sport; it is harsh, and they've got to, there's no not going to be a way they pick a team that's fair. It's, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. So, um, yeah.
0: I mean, did you do uh, or you did a psychology degree at Swansea? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: During those points, like with, whether it's injury leading into competition, whether it's not quite getting, well, riding that rollercoaster of emotions during competition, do you feel like that's helped you a little bit in new swimming?
1: I think I think so. Like I graduated uh, five years ago now, so quite a long time ago. Um, But it did take me a long time to do my degree, so I I like I did two deferred years, two full time years, two part time years. So it was quite a long like uh, stint. But I think what it probably did teach me was like like critical thinking. So being able to think logically and critically about things so being able to break things down um, and think about how things are affecting different parts of like your emotions or processes and being able to think subjectively and objectively about different things Um, so yeah um, I think a lot and anyone will tell you I like to overthink um, which is sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing and I always think like way ahead like what's going to happen if this happens? How will I deal with that? How will I prepare myself if that happens? So that if that does happen, I've kind of already been there in my head, so I know how to react. Yeah. Um, which can kind of which can be a bad thing, but can be a good thing because then if that does happen, I already I'm already prepared for it. Um, so I think my degree has probably helped me in that respect because it's quite I don't know. It, psychology does evolve, involve a lot of like thinking about things and, and um, rationalizing things and they use the term critical thinking quite a lot in terms of just um being able to problem solve i guess yeah.
0: um come out so, of yeah I
1: think, a little bit. yeah 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 like come out of yourself and like look at a problem from a different perspective and then solve it um so yeah, I think it it might have helped me a little bit in that respect.
2: Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, so like the next part of that question I said before, sorry, was uh, <laughs> so obviously like yeah, once you've gone through that, you then start having even better performances. You won Cornwall. She's been to like GB Team now well, for, for World Championships twice. So yeah. now cancelled, but. Is that so much of a negative postpone postpone, postpone. until cancel for this year you know what i mean so you've got even more yeah. time is that is that better for you like because you are still mm-hmm. your pbs are getting better and better and better it's going a bit linear for the over these last few years yeah is it almost a
1: um, i'm trying to look at it as like a blessing that you can't yeah. look at it as like i think initially i took it quite hard and almost personal i was like why is this happening to me and then i remember <laughs> it's happening to everybody in the world Um, It's not just me, it's everyone. Um, But yeah, so I did take it pretty hard and I I did have like a little teary moment when trials got cancelled. So I was like, I'm not gonna get my moment to qualify. That's all I want is like my moment to say, I deserve this and I've worked hard for this. Um, But then it was almost like, it was sadness and a sense of relief when Tokyo was announced as postponed because it was like, well, It was never going to be normal if it was this year anyway it wasn't going to be the big event that everybody wants um with everything going on and it wouldn't have been safe so it's relief that it was postponed but then at the same time it was like so i'm gonna have to do it all again i'm gonna have to go through another year of preparation but then on the other side it's like okay well i get another year i get another chance to kind of go through all of the preparation again i get to tweak anything that we didn't think was quite right i get to kind of change things or do things over a little bit differently we've got another chance to kind of get even better um be another year older another year wiser another year smarter um so yeah it's like you you can only look on it as a positive and to look on it in a negative way would be silly and you'd be putting yourself at a disadvantage to look at it that way so
0: yeah. I mean, where obviously sites are on, on Tokyo, that is going to be your, your focus for this, this coming year. Yeah. After Tokyo, whether it's in the pool, out the pool, like what do you see yourself doing?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because before i would kind of only looked as far as Tokyo. Um, and then it was going to be a case of like reevaluating everything, seeing how it went and deciding what I wanted to do, if I wanted to carry on going or, or otherwise. Um, but now, because it's a year later, it kind of brings me another year closer to another Commonwealth, which is a really scary thought, but also exciting because it's a, a home Commonwealth. Yeah. Um, and it would be my fourth one, which I know a lot of people don't get to f- four commies. Mm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's hard to say, yes, I'll definitely do that, or no, I definitely won't. I think it would still be a case of reevaluating everything and seeing where things are. Um, but and you know there's lots of other competitions as well in the meantime that are in the way that have been postponed and moved and you know there's a europeans there's another worlds um which would be awesome to do um so yeah it's funny how like a little postponement of one event can suddenly put like four others on your horizon that you hadn't even thought of (laughs) so um yeah where I had thought oh maybe I've only got one or two more years left in me I'm thinking maybe there's a few more (laughs) just because there's like other goals I'm thinking oh that would be kind of cool to do so but I mean it does depend on a lot of other things it depends if my body can still keep going if I can still keep improving if I still have the hunger and desire to do it which I'm fairly sure I still do at this stage but um yeah we'll just have to keep on keep on doing bit by bit keep on reevaluating, and if all is good we still keep going I don't see why not, like, at the moment, anyway.
0: Oh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. I mean, we wish you a really long and successful career. Uh, outside of the pool, whenever that comes, <laughs> What do you know what you want to do? Because I know, like, we came out of swimming kind of feeling a bit sort of lost like in a way. We didn't really know what direction we wanted to take. Um, for me, I was probably a little bit more ready to stop the newer, but I still didn't know. Um, yeah. do, I mean, do you have an idea of what direction you might want to go whenever it is that you do um, come away from the pool?
1: See, that's probably my problem as well. Is that I don't really have like a set clear, this is definitely where I want to go when I finish swimming. So part of me is like, well, I don't really know what I want to do yet, so I'll just keep swimming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I have a few like, ideas, but I probably would want to stay in swimming just because I feel like it's given me so much. I'd probably want to give back a little bit somewhere but i mean i don't know where or how um maybe use the psychology background a little bit in some way i don't know um but yeah it it would be hard to just walk away completely from the sport when i've been in it all my life i think it would be quite hard keep splashing around in
2: pools as long as you can that's the best way yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is the life like we are lucky yeah
2: you miss it when you start believing Plus I think anything, yeah. like this being an athlete like you have to the levels you have and overcome these ups and downs and showing the persistence and resilience and all that stuff. You're gonna you, you're set up to do well for whatever you want to put yourself to. You know, what I mean, like I really believe that like an athlete that can get to that that level can do well wherever they want to go afterwards. So yeah, it's brilliant. Is there anywhere where people can follow you? Where do they find you on Instagram, Facebook? Or um, like-
1: yeah, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I have a page on Facebook. Uh my Instagram's probably most active. Right. Um, yeah. And wash your um, wash
2: hand up. wash uh,
1: your... just Alice underscore Thomas. A L Y S underscore Thomas.
2: Awesome. People go follow Alice's journey to uh Tokyo twenty twenty one, Birmingham two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: Harris. anywhere else I go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Alice. It's really nice to speak to you today and best of luck with everything. Really hope that you manage to get back in the pool soon as well.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Alice. we really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, see you, Alice. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.